0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. I'm John Martin, and I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, we're in the whole business-to-business, business, or as the kids like to call it, B2B world. Yes.
1: Right? Oh, I, then I'm a kid. Uh, it's B2B, baby. Well, that's where we're in B2B. Yeah, you know,
0: I've railed on this before, but like acronyms across different industries are fascinating. I know B2B yeah. is not like you know insular to our industry in no. particular, but no. I always find it funny just the random ways that people use a random acronym acronyms, to, yeah. to mm-hmm. name something. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> 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 all that's to say, I don't really have much of a way to introduce our topic today other than to say we're going to talk about B2B trends. B2B trends, uh, I think it's a good thing,
1: right? I mean, Every I now and then you got to kind of take a step back and say, hey, what the heck is going on in this B2B world? Because B2C gets all the love. <laughs> that's true. That's all it I does. got to say.
0: It does. And, and as we've established millions of times on this podcast, and I'm tired of talking about it, but we have to kind of keep talking about it, the last year <laughs> changed a lot of stuff. <laughs> Well, when are we going to
1: stop talking about the pandemic? I, what, do, what do you think? When maybe
0: 2022, I don't know. Uh,
1: I think it's going to a I think it'll still come
0: that. up every once in a while. Yes. Yeah. I think. I don't maybe we might be able to go stretches of like two or three episodes without talking about it. Okay. But I look forward to that. I do too. Yeah. I very mm-hmm. much do. But yeah. again, a lot changed over the last year, and yep. it obviously changed the dynamic of B2B operations, of yep. our world, of any kind of industry in general. So mm-hmm. we're going to dive some of those trends. You found a couple cool uh, articles yep. that you sent over to me that we read through. A lot and, to and,
1: unpack. And, I, I don't think we're going to get to it all here today. Yeah, no, we're you know, not. And I will put stuff. the
0: links to these articles in our show notes, especially one of them from Finances Online that goes pretty deep in, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll kind of skim the surface a little bit. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about trends that are happening out there with spending behaviors uh events user experience customer expectations and what all that means yep. to a B2B business. So,
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, all that plus the usual value of the var, what's tech connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. It's time to get connected. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. As I mentioned, we are talking B2B trends today. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this first article that you found and sent over to me yesterday – uh, from finances online um, uh, website, I honestly admit I had never heard of before. Yeah, me neither, right? <laughs> I don't know how I
1: stumbled <laughs> across this, but hey, you know.
0: But it's a good article. It's called 13 B2B Trends for 2021-2022 Future Forecasts You Should Know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty deep. You know, these 13 trends get pretty deep. They have like summaries at the end of each section. I, I found myself kind of skimming through the, yeah. the main content, looking at the summaries and digging out some nuggets that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. But before we get into some of the trends that stood out to us and really on them, there were a couple uh, stats. They gave a lot of interesting stats in here from a lot of surveys, and a couple of them that really stood out to me. One of them was 52% of B2B companies felt technology infrastructure was exposed as a weakness during the pandemic.
1: Yep. Yep. Makes sense? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, when you when you think about the whole remote work now and and what that has exposed and all these, um, what do they call them, phishing attacks that are happening now through oh, email yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. 52% of B2B companies felt technology infrastructure was exposed. Yep. yep. <laughs> I,
0: and honestly, this is one of those stats, if you told me this six years ago, I would have checked out. But obviously- Became so much more important. Oh yeah! Over the last year, you know, to your point, remote work or mm-hmm. all these new ways that companies had to figure out how to do business that maybe mm-hmm. they've never done before—if they were reliant on face-to-face, uh, if they were reliant on uh, you know people being able to be together to get work accomplished, having a bunch of people you know working together to build products or distribute products, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of things that technology can solve quite easily when you had to suddenly make a huge pivot. That wasn't there and wasn't available for them. So that makes sense. And then the other uh, stat that I found that I liked here or thought was interesting was 43% want to identify opportunities for innovation. Again, feels like one of those ones that should be the norm. Honestly, it should be closer to 100%. Who? Who doesn't want to look for opportunities for innovation? Right. But this is basically saying like, hey, you know, people recognize like, look, there's a lot of opportunity for us to change and grow and do something new and different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're we're actively looking to figure out where those opportunities might lie. And that's relevant, I think, to our audience and to our salespeople that are out there in the world trying to, uh, you know, sell technology and, and, you know, recommend solutions because, Your customers want to innovate, and they may need someone like you to approach them and tell them how they should be innovating because they may not know. They may know, hey, we know it's a brave new world. We know innovation is important, but we're not really sure where to start. Mm-hmm. If you can come in there and say, "Hey, I've got some ideas for you," that can mm-hmm. be very important to them.
1: I think so, and, and, and to me, that was a little bit of a surprising. I thought that was kind of a high number. Forty-three uh, percent want to identify opportunities for innovation. I mean, that's like you know actively seeking ways to innovate. Right. And and I think that that's going to manifest itself across the board. It doesn't matter what vertical you're in or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, clearly, people in the business-to-business environment are. Wanting wanting to identify innovation. So, yes, and we've talked about it. I mean, I think that that creates a fertile ground for people that are interested in trying to expand their business or whatnot. Uh, innovation is the way to do that and, and to go after that. And that, you're going to see it in a lot of different ways uh, yep. that that happens, not just not just in 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 maybe, uh, you know, workflows and stuff like that, but I think it's going to manifest itself in what hardware looks like coming down the pipe, what software looks like, yep. how niche software can get, and what the application. That are going to be built. Uh, You know, a lot of innovation is going to come through there as well. Um, So, really interesting. I think that. I think it's just it, it further emphasizes the fact that, yes, people are actively looking for innovation. I guess maybe a little bit of it as, you know, everybody feels kind of different coming out of this pandemic. Right. You hear that a lot. Right. That, oh, we're not going to go back to the way we were. Right. Or, you know, I was talking to some people at at one of our a customer of ours. I won't name the customer, but they did like an internal poll. They have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees. And they were pulling them, did, just did like one of these flash polls, but right, their right. HR department's trying right. to gauge, you know, how, how many people are coming back. And the guy's statement was like, out of 200 people that they pulled, five people want to go back to the office. And wow. it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I don't think a lot of HRs are, are kind of, that's kind of, that's a big, yeah, what what is percentage that, like less than whatever. Um, it's a small percentage of people yeah, exactly. want to come back to, to work. So anyway, I mean, we've been talking about that a, a little bit, but. It's going to be these opportunities for innovation, not just in in the workforce that is the can stay at home. But I think that's obviously going to parlay into a what we would call labor force as well, which a lot of our resellers dive into right, when you right. when you're talking warehousing and logistics and stuff like that. Those are there's going to have to be some innovation there as as well
0: yeah I completely agree, and well, and to that end, I feel like a lot of these trends that are pulled out in this article are very much related to innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of trends that are related to the to digitalization, a lot of trends that are related to improving. Your your digital infrastructure that technology is, that's why these two stats really stood out to me because I feel like they very much inform where the rest of this article is going. Yeah, so right. it, let's dive in and start talking about some of the trends that stood out to us. Um, I'll kick one off here, and then we'll kind of maybe go back and forth and see if there's mm-hmm. similar ones that that stood out to us. So one of the first ones that I noticed was they were talking about spending behaviors. Okay, uh, and it mentions that more than half of of businesses are expecting four percent, anywhere from four to twenty five percent budget reduction. Which, again, not terribly surprising based on, you know, what's happened over the last year. If you've had, you know, issues with workforce, if you've lost revenue, you've lost business, you know, there's a, you know, if unless your industry was doing really well and thriving during this time, there's probably a reason that you're going to have to restrict your budget a bit because you've got you to cut back a little bit in order to build back up to where you were before. Mm-hmm. But it did also notice, note that this was sector specific mm-hmm. and mentioned that the technology sector, which we play in, obviously, is one where it's not necessarily been impacted quite as dramatically because, again, technology became very, very important over the last year for a lot of businesses in in order to stay in business, in order to shift what they were doing and and move forward and survive. Mm -hmm. So our particular industry, I think, was a very fortunate one where you know, we didn't see quite the—I mean, there was an impact, obviously, but not as dramatic as maybe some other industries might have felt. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, that it may not impact budgets for our customers in quite the same way, at least from the technology side of things, because maybe they're making cuts elsewhere, but mm-hmm. they're they're ideally, again, as going back to that original statistic, still thinking, hey— we know technology is a weakness. We know innovation is something where there's opportunity for us. We're willing to still put our budget, maybe even a higher than usual budget, into technology now, and that could be good for us.
1: Well, it's interesting. Whenever I hear about budget cuts, I'm always interested to dig a little bit deeper on yeah, what What does that, that really means. mean? What is yeah. the forward, forward to 20? 25% of a budget reduction is a big number. Now, look, if you're in a business that has been dramatically impacted, like a restaurant or a retail establishment uh, coming off the pandemic, of course, you know, Right. Some of those reductions are, have to be have to be made, but um, you know you have other companies out there, and and to me this some of this gets into the the philosophy of a, of a particular company and, and, and how they react to change, uh, we have some companies that we work with that, if you ask me, are are overreacting to the the conditions that the pandemic has brought on. Right. And some of that overreaction, since we're in the marketing department, we see that in the marketing team. And, and of course, you'll hear many stories of, of people that say, when's the best time to actually market is when, <laughs> when you're down, when the chips are down yep. and, and you need to get your word out there. It's not
0: the time um, to pull that money back.
1: Bingo, those that survive and actually come out of whatever dip, it, it, more of a hockey stick, are those that that keep marketing during tough times. Right. So So I always have that in the back of my mind, obviously, as a marketer that, you know, now is not the time to be doing that. And if you're in a company that's doing that, I don't know, you know, be the be the voice that says, hey, you know, we want to make sure that we're well positioned from a marketing standpoint uh, for when the rebound happens, which is going on now. We need to be out there engaging folks. You know, I don't know if the budgetary cuts are. You know, again, it, I guess it it differs if you're a manufacturer or if you're in healthcare or whatever, uh, how that manifests itself. But but I guess the aggregate thing here is that there is spending holdback on right, on budgets right. is what they're saying, and yeah. which is which is interesting in the B two B world. I mean. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it pans yeah. out. We've had a lot of t- uh, conversations about how you know going after government funding, or you know how there is going to be an increase in some technology spend. So this one will be an interesting one to see how it pans yeah, out.
0: I agree. Yeah. And to your point about the marketing thing, is I feel like a lot of companies that probably say to themselves, "Hey, we're going to dial back on marketing," may also be saying, "But we're going to ramp up our sales force. We're going to add new people for sales. We're going to spend more time on yep. sales." Right. But then I look at that and say, "Okay, what are they going to sell?" If you're not If you're not marketing yourself, if you're not promoting yourself, what is adding more salespeople going to do other than just having more people dialing out to folks that don't <laughs> know anything about you to begin with, you know? Like, you've got you've got to give them something. It's that whole, you know, we talk about this a lot, the adage of, you know, sales and marketing needing to work together. And that is actually, I think, one of the trends you even kind of spotlight in here at mm-hmm. some point mm-hmm. is the idea of there needs to be cohesion and coherence between your marketing and your sales teams, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's something we're always preaching. And, you know, sometimes we're not good at it on the marketing side, and sometimes the salespeople aren't great at that, But again, it's that idea like, hey – more salespeople is great but if you're not doing any kind of marketing what are they selling you know mm-hmm. how, how are they how are people supposed to find them and it, you know is it just are you just expecting them to go out and just dig up a lot of a lot of sales on their own because yep. marketing can do a lot of that work for you
1: right so. right and I think that what it'll do is exacerbate some of the things that we already saw as trends in in kind of going a little bit further into where you were going with that sales and marketing being married uh, if you will um you know the data the the sophistication that marketing is having in today's world is is only amplifying and only becoming more and more important in a digital world you know when everybody's at home and there's just a lot more being placed on digital i'm going to throw one uh, statistic out here that i well it's not a a stat but a but a pullout b2b sales leaders deem uh, digital channels to be more important than traditional face-to-face interactions yep. the, to me that was like whoa whoa Th- that seems like because now you have sales leaders which you know traditionally are sales right, people right. Are like well no no i gotta go out and press the flesh and i gotta shake hands and kiss babies and <laughs> yep. they'll never yep. buy from us unless i'm in face-to-face yep. with them type of thing so to, to, to have a poll out here that says again b2b sales leaders deem digital channels to be more important than traditional face-to-face oh my you know that to me that's a little bit of a of a seismic shift here and but it but it highlights the fact that sales and marketing definitely have to work together because marketing is becoming much more data driven right we know this we right. live in that world right. uh, everything that we do has to have some ROI behind it relative to click throughs or uh impressions or even uh, drilling down you know the attribution has to be there in what we're doing so Sales has to be acknowledged that in in the the two have to work together, so right. if, if we're looking to grow our sales, how are we going to do that? Well, sales has to know what marketing's doing, vice versa what's happening out in the in the marketplace so yeah, I can see that one as exacerbating yeah. a little
0: bit more well that kind of also then ties into i I've got like three trends here at the end that to me all sort of tie together and it and it does all connect to this idea of. Uh, of digital channels. Mm -hmm. So one of the trends they talk about is user experience, like making your user experience front and center in your business Mm -hmm. and the way people are able to interact with you, whether it is online, whether it is through an app, whatever it is, making sure that that experience is, you know, relevant and comparable to the kind of experience that we get in other places that we use technology. You know, if, and this is again, one of these topics I feel like we've talked about ad nauseum, but, When I come across a business whose website looks like it was made 20 years ago, and is completely out of touch with modern <laughs> technology and innovation and app design. <laughs> this is a pet and, peeve of yours. Oh, isn't it it's very much is. But it just no. it it to me it says something about that company and it may right. be completely erroneous. You know, they mm-hmm. may be a very cutting edge company, mm-hmm. but if your your user experience the way I can first potentially because there's a lot of people whose first interaction with any given company is going to be I'm going to look them up online and look at their their website before I have any contact with them. Mm-hmm. And if they look at that and see an outdated or Just, you know, badly designed site and badly designed interface, you know, difficult to click through, clicking links that go nowhere, no way to to look up products or whatever. That's the kind of stuff that will turn somebody off in a hurry, and you are potentially losing customers before you even know they exist. Mm -hmm. So, that's a big one for me, absolutely. And that ties into a couple other ones here, which was one, and this is like kind of tendentially related, and yet I think still very much related, 73% of customers want to resolve issues on their own. As someone who is a do-it-yourself kind of person, whenever possible, <laughs> I completely understand this. Uh-huh. I am that guy who will get on YouTube and look up how to fix something before I can call somebody. If, you know, I'm I'm not a, a I'm not a handyman by any s- stretch. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you know. I was telling you before we got on, we're having a deck. You know, right. added on to our house. Yep. You know, a deck yep. extension or whatever added on. That is not something I'm ever going to try to do <laughs> on my own. No, I know I'm not capable of that. Yeah. But if like you know, my toilet breaks or something. Yeah. I will be gladly you you know, look up some information about how I can potentially fix that myself before I call in a plumber or something. But I think that speaks to a, a, and again, obviously this this percentage tells you that in general people prefer to solve problems themselves whenever they can Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. trying to reach out to tech support, rather than exchanging phone calls or emails or chats Mm -hmm. to try to, you know, get something resolved. And so if you have a means and a ways to help people do that, that's that's a huge bonus. You know, If it could be as simple as an FAQ section mm-hmm. of your site. It could mm-hmm. be a basic technical, or like when they go to technical support, there's a, a list of common problems and troubleshooting issues that you, they can look up before they have to reach out to someone. Uh, you know, it could be, again, links to videos or how-tos or technical manuals or something that they can access long before they have any reason whatsoever to have to get in touch with a person and wait to get in touch with somebody that can be huge for your for your business, um, and then the last point that kind of ties into all this too was acknowledging millennials and Gen Z and their place in the workforce. Mm. In the sense that we, we do we have to talk well, about millennials we, again? We, <laughs> I know we had a whole episode all about like you know the various uh, generations in the workforce, and we talked about the fact that millennials now are they're entering their 30s, they are a strong part of the workforce. They, in fact, I think. Are they the majority of the workforce at this point? Uh, Yeah, right. If they're they're not, they're they're close to overtaking Mm -hmm. the boomers and being Mm -hmm. the majority of the workforce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and a lot of them are starting their own companies now. So Mm -hmm. a lot of them are the B, the second B in B2B, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. So if you're not understanding that they are digital natives and they understand what digital technology is worth, what it's good for, how it can be the, the way that they want to communicate and connect. And understand you and your business—that is a massive potential failing on your on your part. And then even more so to Gen Z, this this younger generation that is again starting to get into this, starting to become people working in businesses that may be responsible for buying decisions, and they would flat out have no interest in talking to people on the phone. You know, right? So again, it's all to me. It's all tied together. This idea of a user experience of giving customers the ability to do stuff on their own and acknowledging that we have two generations that are basically about to take control of the workforce over the next 10 to 20 years or so Mm -hmm. who believe in, doing as much as they can on their own, having access to everything at their fingertips, not having to speak to somebody, not Mm -hmm. having to meet you face-to-face to to get something done. Mm -hmm. So if you aren't accommodating them and you aren't heading in that direction yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice. Your your business literally could be obsolete in no time at all.
1: I got a pro tip for you on that regard. It's going to wrap it all together. All right, go for it. (laughs) You have to produce videos. So, so how do millennials get their information? A lot of them get their yep. information via video. How do l- people like to, when, whenever somebody says, well, I want to do it myself, I, I'm always intrigued by that as well. Because to me, I think what people mean by that is I'm going to go to some resource, figure out, watch right. how somebody right. does it, and then I'm going to do it exactly. myself. I mean, yep. I find myself doing yep. that. If I have to change the oxygen sensor in my car because I'm a do-it-yourself <laughs> or kind of guy, uh, I'm going to go on YouTube and yep. watch some mechanic do it. Uh, exactly. do that 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 way. So I I think you're absolutely I think they're dead on here in the sense that you really as a company uh, you know the user experience is very important b2b and how people interact with that is very very important you have to think of tools like video you know how can you speak to these audiences what what works with millennials what you know how do you do that how do you make sure that if you're uh, catering to that 73 percent of your customers that want to figure their own stuff out by themselves Your job is to enable them, right? Right. And how are you going to enable those folks? you got to look at, like, video. I think some of the best companies that do it do those types of things. You know, they'll have videos where you can go and see what it is, whether it's, you know, I know a lot of our customers get very, very technical, love to get geeky about the products and stuff like that. So it's the it's the it's the how to video, you know, and it doesn't have to be well shot. It can be shot on an iPhone, which right, that's the right, language yeah. of a millennial. Yep. They don't care that you produced it in Hollywood yeah. and the lighting looks good. Exactly. And there's a soft filter on it and stuff yep. like that. Dude, shoot it with your iPhone. Yep. Hey, this is what you need to do and whatever that, there. You just get a GoPro
0: it. on your head and shoot it, you know? Like it's <laughs> it's it's fine. They're used to that kind of stuff. One hundred percent. It reminds me because it's been a running gag on our podcast here that you know, when we talked about doing a podcast. Podcasts, right? I think of podcasts because I am sort of an old at this point. I'm getting up there, you know. I think of them as an audio only format. That's Uh always how I've listened to podcasts. That's how I got started listening to podcasts on commutes, you know. So I I was used to that. But you know, early on, we talked about, hey, we're going to do this as videos as well. And I remember thinking, like, come on, do we really need to do that? I'm like, one, I, I, you know, I think I sound better than I look, (laughs) so I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to be on video all the time, and yet. I also will willfully acknowledge we get more views of our videos than we do downloads of our audio versions. And you're showing your age here a little bit in the sense that, do
1: you know kids these days, you actually use YouTube to make playlists. They don't actually watch Uh, the videos, it's just the audio that they Right, exactly. Okay, so I think a lot of that's going on too. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they're candidly sitting there watching us. Yeah, (laughs) because yeah,
0: I mean, we're not, I mean, again, we're not that exciting to look at. It's just two dudes (laughs) talking, you know. There's nothing, there's no cool stuff bouncing around in the background. I mean, you know, Marco has enough of a time editing these things if we made him like put all kinds of <laughs> cool animations throughout he'd probably strangle hey, us i don't want to make so.
1: it any easier on marco not at all not at all
0: <laughs> all right any other trends in well this so let me throw well
1: i don't know if this was a part of it but in the whole buyer preference area uh i did want to pull this out too because i thought this was interesting because everything that you just kind of the foundation you just laid mm. is that people are in caves People like to be in their caves and they want to do everything by themselves in the caves and not talk to anybody. Right.
0: That sounds like me to a T and I'm not, I'm not even that young anymore. But
1: there are times when people want to be talked to. Okay. So when do B2B buyers want to speak to someone? I thought this was, this was pretty good. 76% of the time was when completely new product or service. So if you have a completely new product or service, B2B buyers actually want to be spoken to in that scenario, Right, right. 76% of the time. So keep that in mind, 52% of the time previously purchased a product or service, but with different specifications, Uh, 15% of the time, they want to speak to you when it's the same product or service. So what that means is they don't want to talk to you. (laughs) If it's 15% of the time and you're going to talk to them about the same product or services as before. They're not listening to you. Hey, you know that the thing you buy every out.
0: year on this date at this time? Can we talk about that? Like, right. oh, I'm gonna no, I'm going to buy that again. Yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. It's recurring revenue. Shut
1: up. Now, <laughs> now, only 4% said, never, ever, ever talk to me. Everything's got to be digital. Right. So, So there's some hope. That we're still <laughs> wanting to talk to one another, and that the phone, this antiquated
0: <laughs> mechanism here, well, that my it doesn't kids necessarily don't necessarily a phone, phone though either. Let's be honest. Oh, well, that's, okay. That's it fair. could be a chat. It could be via email. No. I don't know, want want to speak
1: to somebody. So I'll go phone or in person. Those are the two categories I'll put there. I'll give you that. So so if you have a new product or service, then, you know, it's not a bad tactic to talk to people about that and, 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 and employ that as a part of your tactic to get the information out. But but you have to be cognizant that if you're trying to call somebody just to talk about the same old, same old, you're probably having a negative impact on what it is. And so if you I don't care if you're in sales or marketing, you know, having that knowledge. And that is to me, that is a buying preference change, you know, I mean, maybe people would or maybe it's just the reality that we all lived in. But now it's been quantified in, in, in an actual survey that. Yeah, because you know, I was a sales rep and I didn't maybe I would call on people that I didn't have a lot to talk about, but you know, right. We still needed to, yeah, I made the call bot, you know, the cold right. call you boss. You had to get your time in, for the day. right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh, I need another five minutes of talk time today. I'll call this guy yeah. that I talk to all the time. Yeah, and, and we're gonna just, just BS with him for a bit. Yeah. yeah,
1: we're gonna talk. So, how's that machine doing again? Yeah, no, I got nothing new. I just want to make sure that everything's good to go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that, but, but, and then I'm just gonna throw it out there again that B2B sales leaders deemed digital channels to be more important than traditional face-to-face interactions mm-hmm. I don't know I'm still getting my head around that one I, and I just don't know how we're going to change as a society around that what the what the human interaction looks like you know is it a is it at the end of the road that you know whereas maybe five percent of people didn't prefer any kind of uh, personal interaction now that's going to raise to 20 percent right 25 percent right, right. or something like that
0: Well, and I'm curious, and this actually ties into my next trend that I was going to talk about, though, is does the digital channel also include things like Zoom, for instance, you know, Mm, and and mm -hmm. digital meetings where you're still kind of face-to-face in the sense that you can talk to somebody and see them and they can see you and read each other's faces and reactions, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily you had to travel to go see them and show up in the same room with them and shake their hand, you know, or or take them out to dinner or whatever. Because I'm curious if if that's still considered as part of, like, a digital channel in a sense, Sense, you still get that some of what you what you're missing there. You still get that feeling of yeah. meeting somebody. Yeah. And you know we've talked about this before. Like we we've all gotten better at. Those kind of interactions. Mm-hmm. You know, we went from where we would get on meetings and never turn our cameras on right. because we didn't want to actually do that. I'm like, yeah. come on, I don't want you to see me, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> oh, I don't man, want you what? to notice when I'm multitasking or man. falling asleep here, you know, to now or like, comment
1: on my decor right, that exactly. I have in my yeah. background. Yeah.
0: Now we're more cognizant of that. We're like, fine, I'll turn the camera on. There's plenty uh, anymore, there's a lot of meetings I go into and I've got my camera on and I'm the only person. Yeah, There's two or three people here. that just show up as initials or something, yeah, you know, right. on there. I'm like, yeah. you know what? I don't care. Like yeah. it's not a big deal me to me, neither. you know? And, yeah. and and I don't care also if while we're chatting and if the conversation's not directly involving me at that moment, if I'm turning my head and looking at my other screen and working on something again, I think people understand all of that now. It's taking on a different significance of mm-hmm. what that means. And it still is in my world, you know, my and to me at least, it's it's a little more productive sometimes than I had to get on a plane, fly to your business. Come into your office, schedule time with you, sit down for a couple hours, maybe go out for, you know, some drinks or lunch, go to, and play some golf or something, you know, go back to my hotel, get on a plane the next day, come back, all this time you've lost doing all of that other stuff just mm-hmm. to get to that couple hours window of time of meeting with somebody, mm-hmm. whereas instead you can sit at your desk, have that meeting for an hour or two online with them, and on either end of that get a bunch of other work done in between. Yeah. And I think that that kind of informs this, one of those other topics, that, the trends that they mentioned – was the marriage of digital and remote mm-hmm. um, being again the idea of understanding? Yeah, we've got a remote workforce now, and that mm-hmm. means different things. And and mm-hmm. and it's not a trend that's going to go away anytime soon. There's a mm-hmm. lot of businesses that are going to embrace this now, and I think that means a lot also for again for a salesperson who is used to maybe I show up at a you know um, I, to give you an example when I worked in publishing. I might visit a college or a university. Mm -hmm. And when I'd go there, I'd go to, you know, the English department or the science department or whatever, go around, knock on a bunch of doors, talk to five or six people over the course of a day. Well, what happens if you do that now and, you know, and only two of those people are actually there in the office and Mm -hmm. the rest are all working from home? Mm -hmm. So that changes the entire game of how you approach what does it mean to do your— You still need to get in contact with them, right? You do, exactly. You still need to, yeah. So so you've got to embrace that remote aspect and understand, like, look, you're you're probably not in a situation, unless you know this company is making everybody go work in that office, where you're going to be able to show up at a place and meet a whole bunch of different people. So you've got to be a lot more strategic now, I think, about deciding when you actually try to do a face-to-face meeting, or what does it mean to do a face-to-face meeting? Mm -hmm. Is it just... A get over a Zoom call or something. Well, or, maybe, maybe, or is it a very special event where you're pulling people together for uh, a meeting?
1: Right, and maybe, maybe it's kind of like what we're what we're experiencing on the B to C side, meaning there's a little bit more of a premium now being placed on. If I'm going to go out to dinner, you know, I want that to be an experience, right? right? So there's a premium on that experience. Or if I'm going to go actually shop for something, I want that to be a premium type of experience, you know, because I can get the basics through Amazon or just online ordering. But, you know, if I'm going to go someplace and shop, uh, maybe, you know, there's there's a premium on the experience. So maybe there's going to be a premium now on the face-to-face. I think so. So whereas maybe you visited a customer four times a year maybe that whittles down to once yep. and you really try to make it a little bit more impactful on that one particular visit um, Yeah, it,
0: because maybe there's four times a year two of them you yeah. just kind of were in the area doing something right. else you stopped and knocked like hey how's it going man yeah, you right. shook hands chatted mm-hmm. about what you were up to over the weekend or what's been going on in your lives Mm-hmm very minor maybe some business talk here and there wasn't really relevant but you're right i think now if you're asking like a person or a group of people for instance to get together for a meeting mm-hmm. that is a meeting you're going into where you are at the top of your game yes you're walking in there ready to you got have, your agenda lined yeah, you up you got the ultimate you, presentation
1: people, you, people you, if people are coming in you got all that lined up yeah exactly yeah, you're, like you're, you're right waxed. it should be mm-hmm. a
0: a massive event at this point point. And, yeah. and i think that's that's something that could very much change the game for if you're in the b2b world and You're trying to make your pitch, and you've got, this is my day. The only day this year I get to go and be in front of anybody from Mm -hmm. this company. We're going to make this count. This is going to be the greatest presentation they're going to see all year long, and this is going to win us some business. It's not just going in. Shaking hands and you know yep. giving yep. somebody a cigar or something you know and moving on. <laughs> Do people still care about cigars? Or you know, I don't. Uh, I take one. Yeah,
1: if you, if you had one, I'd be good with that. So so let's uh, transition a little bit. Another uh, a- interesting aspect of this article was the headline was "Retaining Human Touch Digitally," which mm-hmm. I think is a nice place to insert this in the yep. conversation because you know part of what you miss in digital environments is that human touch. And so I'll just I'll read off a couple of the outs that they had here is that. Buyers prefer a mix of digital and analog touch points. Thus, companies must design a hybrid experience to address these preferences. B2B buyers also think like B2C buyers. Thus, many positive customer experiences from the latter, meaning the B2C, uh, have influenced their B2B buying behaviors. Mostly, these aspects include Human touch. Uh, expressing this digitally is a challenge. However, B2B businesses need to translate that uh, their superb offline relationship management skills into a hybrid endeavor. So I thought about that a little bit, you know, augmented by digital tools. And I'm like, yeah, it is such a challenge to retain that human touch, right? I mean, there's just, you can't, Zoom's great and all, but we all know that it's not the same as being face to face with somebody. Until we get into holograms of people, maybe where you can see. See the whole – and we, that was on the Star Wars episode, right, I guess, right, that we right, did yeah. at the end of the year. Um, you know, I it's just – it's not going to be the same. So – but, you know, when you think about it from a company standpoint, there are a couple of angles here that we've talked a lot about. But companies need to be cognizant of this B2B trend. How? What are digital tools that help kind of humanize some of that? Chat – chat's one of them, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't have a chat feature or if you're not enabling your staff to be able to interface with people in a chat, I'm not talking AI, uh, although yes, you can build in AI and have it and have that, but actual chat features and then text, I thought was an interesting one. Like, you know, make, make make. if you have a service department, give them the ability to text SMS between that because that's how people are communicating. But if they feel like they're actually communicating with somebody, (laughs) <laughs> there's there's actual human touch, if you will, behind that. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it is a challenge to – have a human touch in this digital world. If people are in their caves, don't want to be bothered by anybody except for their one internet connection. I mean, how do you how do you have that human touch experience? Yeah, so yeah. it's well, a challenge. It,
0: you know, in the chat thing too, it's one of those things that kind of gives you a little best of both worlds because mm-hmm. yep. it's very easy to. to I, I mean, I'll give you our own uh, the chat service we use, Drift, for you know for our websites right now. Yeah you know where you can go to some some of our microsites on our our com page and a chat bot pops up and asks hey can i help you out with something is there anything i can do for you mm-hmm. and you know they can type something in if they want or there's a list of like preset options very simplistic stuff like hey you know i need a sku or i'm curious about this or i'm looking for information about this type of te- you know product or this type of technology and it can quickly send them to a page or send them to some additional information Nothing that a person ever needs to get involved in for that mm-hmm. very simplistic stuff, that, mm-hmm. th- and and we're not talking complex AI here to do that. It's a very simple, just learning tree, a branch, of, you know, yep. a, of of questions and answers that lead to different different scenarios. But then we also have that that aspect of it though that if someone says, "Hey, I'd like to talk to a human," great, we've got someone who's you know potentially available yep. that can hop right on to that chat with them and yep. have a quick conversation and and. Maybe they don't resolve everything, but at least they're you know they're giving them a, a little bit of a personal connection. During that time. So. Or
1: we've, we've we've even developed where you can schedule an appointment with yeah. that person yep. right right then and there. So exactly. if you need that did that that human touch in there. So, exactly. Yeah. So yeah,
0: yeah you kind of get a little bit of both. You get that mm-hmm. digital experience, but you also still have that human touch if it's necessary there. Yeah. And and again, we're not talking like this is not some mind blowing you know multi million <laughs> dollar addition to your no. websites to do this. Not it's at all. It's a very simplistic thing you can set up. And there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that do it. Again, I will recommend Drift because. They've been fantastic for us to do this with so yeah, far. Yeah, and, so. and it's
1: one of those things I think there's a little bit of anxiety behind it because we, we've we internalized it. We've turned it on right. on some of our vendor microsites, and everybody's a little bit worried. They're like, what is this going to look like? And <laughs> if we turn it on, is it going to open up the floodgates? And right. Then, and then we do it, and in, in the, they quickly realize that, yeah, no, they don't get hammered on their right. chat all the you time. You don't have to have
0: someone just dedicated sitting there on the no, chat all No, no, yeah.
1: because it can be on somebody's phone and, you know, somebody has a question real right. quick. But but the the quality, the dramatic impact it can have from a user experience yep. is is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. If you're whatever in your day-to-day world and you you start chatting up with something and it, it immediately starts interfacing with you and it's a human, I mean that's that's a good user experience. So yeah, don't don't fear the chat. It it, it gives agree. you that digital touch. Yeah. Or that human touch. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. The last bullet point point from this particular article I'll throw out here was thirty percent of industrial tech buyers prefer distributors to manufacturers.
1: Okay, so let's unpack that. So, <laughs> well, I mean, what are you reading into well, that? Well, I
0: look at that and I'm like, uh,
1: because of what the was first the category that that was uh, under. Uh, I don't. It was, was, sorry, because I did not was, come across that one. But it this was is a,
0: somewhere shortly after the the digital remote thing. Okay,
1: because to your point, this article really does a great it, job it of di- diving really into some does. stuff.
0: Really does. Oh, uh, where was that? What was the what was the percentage I said there? Thirty percent. Thirty percent. Yeah. 30%, so
1: yeah. We keep oh, well, maybe I, we can search on. Well, that. Well, and it
0: made me. It just made me think of you know because obviously in our world we think of ourselves as As a distributor, but I'm curious what that actually might mean because maybe someone thinks as a VAR as technically as a distributor in some way, even though we wouldn't necessarily, from what we think about. But I also, it also occurs to me to understand that hey, most people don't typically buy straight from manufacturers anymore, you know, right? And, and, and you know, channels like ours exist because manufacturers want to be able to do what they're good at, but then also be able to outsource the distribution side of things elsewhere. And I think, I guess to the point of what they're saying here, is that a lot of B2B customers find that useful and realize like, hey, we prefer to work with a distributor instead of actually going out to a, uh, you know, directly to a manufacturer who may not be as, Maybe may not be as engaged with how to deliver solutions and how to deliver products. Now you're hitting to on us, yeah. you know, in the same way yep. that that a distributor who who gets our world and gets, yep. you know, how we need to get certain things packaged certain ways and in certain places at certain times. So this is
1: good news for a distributor. It, it, it is. It, it, it very it, it, much it, is. Yeah. So I'll read a little bit more context. I, I guess they they prefaced it prefaced that 30% uh, industrial tech buyers prefer to buy from a distributor rather than the manufacturer by saying 46% of survey respondents in a B2B poll that they did here uh, online uh, find it very, well, they're very dissatisfied when they cannot complete repeat orders or they can't compare products so you know those are a couple aspects that a distributor really does bring to the table you know the ability to compare you know how does this compare I know our sales team does that all the time you know they answer questions relative to the product and how does it compare to other ones Uh, and that type of information we see as being a key value add that we bring to the marketplace we're not we're not we're very overt about that you know we understand that that part of the service and support that we provide is of value, and I think that that's being uh, recognized here in this, yeah. in this Well, particular. and
0: I think, too, where it also steps in is this idea, you know, that— Hey, you go to a manufacturer, they want to sell you their products, obviously. They're right. not they're not just selling you <laughs> no. someone else's. Exactly. Versus when you work through a distributor, they're like, hey, we've got these great relationships with these, you know, various number of, of, of manufacturers and vendors. You you want this kind of product? Well, hey, look at this company, look at this company, look at this company. We've got five different companies that all make this kind of product for you to look at. Yep. You can compare and contrast all the features. Yep. You know, we're not, you know, it, we'll, we'll be happy to make recommendations if you have certain needs you want or recommendations, but if you're just looking for a simple comparison. it's very easy to look across the spectrum there versus yeah if you if you wanted to look just at the manufacturer level you're like okay i gotta look at this manufacturer's and i gotta look at this one then i gotta look at this one then i gotta look at this one one." Mm -hmm. comparing you know four different websites four different things or having four different conversations to Mm -hmm. figure out what's right for you Mm -hmm. why not go to one place instead where you can do that and and again i think that's a that's a role that our bars can play as well Mm -hmm. oh absolutely i mean to their end users to their customers. exactly i mean i know you know sometimes you know we we talk about hey you know it, it never hurts to linked yourself to a specific manufacturer sometimes and be very involved with their products. Mm -hmm. But it's also okay if someone's coming to you and just says, Hey, I need a barcode scanner. I'm not concerned about who it's from. I just need X, Y, and Z for it. And they can offer you up, Hey, here are three options that offer exactly what you need. Here's the other things each of them offer that you might be interested in and you can choose from those instead. And that's choice can be very valuable to some customers and it can also be very beneficial if you can be the person that can make a recommendation on those choices. Oh, 100%. Too.
1: Absolutely. So, absolutely. And I like way. to where you're going with the solution, right? Because a lot of resellers are looking for, obviously they need solutions. And so how do products interact with other products and what, what does the total solution look right, like? Right. At, that's really important. Yeah, you don't want to
0: be like, you know, no slight on manufacturers because a lot of manufacturers that we work with have very strong connections in like the software community oh, sure. or with yeah, other yeah, yeah, services yeah. that could be offered, but mm-hmm. it's probably not necessarily their wheelhouse. And mm-hmm. and ju- even outside of this industry, there's a lot of situations where you might go to a manufacturer and say, oh, man, I want this. But by the way, I also need some software to put on And they go, well, we don't do the software part of it. You have to go elsewhere for that. Mm-hmm. And that's a turnoff. Yeah. Why would you do that if you can go to this other guy who says, well, I can I can sell you what that manufacturer's got, and I can sell you the software also, and I've got all this other stuff that I can sell you and the yep. services that I can wrap it up in. You're Right. I can I can deliver a complete solution mm-hmm. instead of you shopping around five places for everything yep. and putting it together yep. and hoping that you understand how to put it all together I do I'll put it together for you and deliver ready to go
1: yeah absolutely so. before we leave this article the other thing that they called out that uh, you know I want to call out as well is just analytics you know what is a b2b trend and, and it's the use of analytics mm-hmm. in your everyday life and it's if you're not using analytical tools to some degree at this point in time you really should start looking yeah. at. It. I mean, you and I are always amazed when we have people come on this program and they talk about the fact that oh well, so many customers are still just in Excel. Right. You know, they use Excel. Yeah, you know they're using Excel to track their assets. They're using Excel to you to to do their <laughs> workflow. And, and you and I sitting and looking at each other like, what?
0: what? Why? <laughs> not, not just a if few people. If there's a better way, it's like why?
1: Sixty percent of our customers, yeah. you know, are using Excel. So you know, so those folks might not be now. Obviously, we're talking about end users. They're not. They're not necessarily into the whole analytics. So, I mean, yes, you can do analytics I guess from from Excel and stuff like that pull reports macros and blah 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 right but but if you're not um, if you're not starting to tap into the analytics and what analytics can provide and business data and utilizing that in your day-to-day business, it's probably something that you should start integrating into your workflow because it's not going away. Nope. You know, there are tools out there like Power BI with, with just a little bit of knowledge. You can take those old Excel sheets, even if you're using them today, reseller or whatever, systems integrator. Power BI is a great tool where you can wrap up those uh, those those data points and still pull out of it some business intelligence that is really important. So with some of the stat- statistics indicated that benefits benefits that companies are getting from using analytics, improved efficiency and productivity, sixty four percent. That's why sixty four percent of businesses are using it. They're trying to improve their efficiency and their productivity. Yeah, duh. Making faster, more effective business decisions. I think this one's this one's Key. It's fifty-six percent of the people respondents say they're using analytics for that. I think that that number is going to grow exponentially. Yep. I mean, and they mentioned not,
0: that in the article too. Like this do is they? something that's going to grow as, yes. as the years go by. There's no, there's no, there's no reason for data analytics to go backwards. It's only forwards at this point.
1: Absolutely. And smart people, I think, use it as a data point. It's mm. not the only thing. Data is not the only thing that you should be relying on right. for your decision making. But it can be a powerful tool to help you guide what it is that you're trying to do. So I, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Of course, just to rattle off a couple of other ones here, 51% uh, using analytics to our better financial performance, of course. Uh, and then way down at the bottom, though, and I think this number is going to maybe grow a little bit, was competitive advantage. 43% of people are using analytics as a competitive advantage. And I think those are the, actually the smart people. Because if you know how to use analytics and you're using it correctly, uh, you can make it a differentiator. Yep. You know, you you see the trends, you know, the data points, you can talk more intellectually about what is going on or why the solution's better or whatever, and relating it to other people in your ecosystem. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And I don't see that going away anytime soon.
0: I do not either. So you
1: better brush up on your
0: (laughs) You (laughs) better, yes. And there are a lot of great companies out there that will help you get started. It doesn't have to be be some monolithic dump of information. You got to sort through and figure out. There are so many amazing companies out there who have, who have, figured out in incredibly intelligent ways using like AI machine learning to to dig through those analytics mm-hmm. and deliver information that is actionable, usable and and again that competitive advantage for you, you know. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, if you if you're in a space where you are the one using analytics and your competition is not, I promise you, you have the leg up.
1: Yeah. 100%. You are
0: getting better insights and yep. moving forward and doing new things and innovating in ways that your competition is not even close to. Yet. Yeah, yeah. And we've That's talked simple. about
1: basic things, just little surveys that you can send yep. to get your data points. Uh, of course, you have all the data around your sales and stuff like that. Augment it with some surveying. Uh, take some time to, in your, in your whether it's your work day or work month or whatever, start integrating it into it. You yeah. have to. Yeah, Great.
0: Now, there was another article you sent me, which was significantly shorter, does not get quite as far in (laughs) depth. Uh, It's it's on uh, brightinnovation.co, and it's B2B tech trends set to soar in 2021. And there was really, some of this stuff kind of crossed over, similar to what we saw in the other article. Mm -hmm. There was one point that really stood out to me here, though, and this is big tech crackdowns, Mm -hmm. which is a trend meaning that the the inevitable and we've we again we've discussed this before too the inevitable crackdowns that are on their way for big tech companies like your amazons and facebook's and google's That are are centered around ensuring customer privacy, ensuring that there is competition, you know that competition is not being snuffed out by these companies, Mm -hmm. ensuring that there's security, data security, you know, security of, you know, either companies that are working with them or of the users that are working with them. Mm -hmm. We we know that there is some form of regulation that's probably going to happen in the future, Mm -hmm. and you know it may mean breaking up some of these companies, Uh, it may mean opening the gates a little bit. where, you know, others can compete. You know, we 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 recently talked about, I think you mentioned on a What's Technique with you about the battle between uh, the makers of Fortnite, is it Epic Games, I think? Yes, yep. and, mm-hmm. and Apple, just yep. over the ecosystem of the App Store, for instance. Absolutely. That's the kind of stuff that is probably going to change at some point in the mm. not-too-distant future. I'd say within the next decade or so, you're going to see some major changes in the world of tech, that changed the game for everybody involved you know around it so the kind of their point was this is to be prepared for this kind of stuff and understand that you may have an opportunity in the not too distant future to to put your foot in the door in a place where some of the big tech companies have been shutting you out and yep. to keep an eye on that and keep an eye on what's happening around these stories and to be prepared for when that happens the day that maybe you can be you know like a company like epic who you know wants to be able to do what they want to do with their app and not be chained by what you know Apple's App Store is is letting them do. Mm-hmm. If you know that somewhere that's coming in the future, maybe you're behind the scenes preparing for that so that when that happens, you're ready to get out there and and, boun- and pounce on those opportunities.
1: And I think that's hard to navigate at this it point is. in time because you don't know. It takes know a how lot it, of
0: forward thinking.
1: Oh, it's a ton. A ton, but but if you hearken back to how things were shut down as 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 Apple and Google and that started becoming into our everyday life, wow. I guess. Uh, I remember the days when, you know, when I first had my iPhone, you know, there were more apps available for exactly, for, for example, you remember the flashlight apps that you used to be able to download? That's right, yeah. I mean, so ridiculous to think of that right now, but there were actually apps right. that you could download yep. from the Apple store for flashlights. Well, Apple wiped that out with one very simple button on, on the front them, yeah, UI. Exactly. Boom. There's no need for a flashlight right. app anymore. Got so ear. it's all right. Right. But 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 if there is a breakup like they did with the baby, the baby bells and stuff like that, there's going to be some opportunity, to your point, to, yeah. to reinvigorate some of that innovation. So I guess we're tying it back to what we said earlier. Forty three percent. Right. Yep. Uh, businesses looking for innovative will actively be seeking opportunities that are innovative. Man, that's going to be one. If, if this starts going down, uh, it's going to be huge. They also cite, you know, cyber attack increases mm-hmm. as being one of those things that, you know, I guess what a lot of people have learned is it's it's become this decentralized environment, right? People are working from home and 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 how do we react to that. Um there is there is there's you know, some current uh, there's some approaches that we all have to take that are gonna be different because of that. You know, mm-hmm. people working from home and just how it relates to cybersecurity and and really kind of Uh, buttoning that up a
0: little bit. So anyway,
1: yeah, there's a lot that's going to come down from these big tech crackdowns that they're talking about.
0: I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, as I mentioned, I am definitely going to put these links uh, in our show notes so you can check out these articles for yourself. Lots of good stuff. There's there's a lot more depth that they dive into than we're able to get to here. But hey, if you have uh, any particular trends that you're interested in sharing with us, uh, let us know. Um, We'd love to see what you think is going to happen in the world of B2B. If you've come across any cool articles like this, share them with us. You can find us on Twitter at tech Connect pod. You can also email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap up quickly with our value to the var section here. You know, uh, this whole conversation I assume has been valuable to ours because mm-hmm. you were explaining trends that they should be thinking about. Right. And, and what's happening?
1: On. What's going on? Yeah.
0: But are any of these trends you think that are actionable right now? Because I know we talked about a lot of kind of looking forward stuff and what's coming down the pipeline. But what do you think is actionable right now?
1: I'm going to go back to the whole human touch uh, thing. I I really think that people need to be cognizant of that and aware of that and, and have that in their mindset. We talk a lot about chats. We talked about, you know, uh, enabling kind of that human touch. But in, the, right. in a digital world, you it's not going to go away you know i can i can appreciate that the, the fact but you as a company you have to be able to, cognizant of how people can uh how they interact in a digital world and how you can try to bring a more of a human touch to that so that yeah. that's the one to me i mean there's a lot like i said there's so much good stuff in the in this article to trends that you really need to be concerned about uh but for me i don't know why the human touch one's kind yeah. of getting called out yeah
0: i like that i agree yeah. I, you know i think the biggest thing to me is this is the perfect time to audit your business. Ah, there you go. This is the time to think, hey, we learned a lot of stuff over the last year. A mm-hmm. lot changed. A lot's different. There's a lot. that We're not even 100% sure what the path forward is at this point. This is the perfect time to take a moment, step back, audit your business. Maybe it means putting out some surveys to customers. Maybe it means looking at internal process. Maybe it means reaching out internally to your own team and asking them, like, hey, where should we be innovating? What should we be doing differently right now? What are you, where do you hear gripes about from your customers? Mm-hmm. Asking your customers, where what do you not like about working with us? Mm-hmm. What do you not like about our website or about our digital channels or mm-hmm. whatever? Start collecting that information and start learning like, where, where are the pain points that currently exist within your organization when it comes to maybe your digital presence when it comes to how your business currently functions and operates. Because people are almost always, especially if you make an anonymous survey of some sort, people are always willing to give you to give you some answers and give you some feedback. And that could easily give you some ideas about what trends you need to be thinking about and paying attention to and where you need to start making some changes right now.
1: Absolutely, and only call them when you have something new to talk about, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> Completely new product service, then it's okay to call them. Right. Otherwise, you better use those digital <clears throat> channels that apparently, All these sales leaders are are thinking, by the way, the statistic was 66% of sales leader are, uh, think digital uh, channels will be more important than face-to-face. That's huge. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's wrap up as always with our favorite segment, what's tech connecting with you? Um, You know, where we talk about whatever's cool in the world of science, tech innovation. Dean, what's tech connecting with you this week? Are, Are you sick and tired of hacks? Yeah. Uh, all these
1: hackers you know just running willy-nilly about shutting down whole economies Coming up
0: gasoline <laughs> messing with companies yeah. messing with beef wasn't beef, the yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah you're getting sick and tired of that well there's there's hope on the horizon and this is serious morphing computer hardware confounds hackers so <laughs> the, what is the answer to software hacks it might just be Hardware. So DARPA, you know, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Everybody loves DARPA. This is I I would I don't know. I want to go to DARPA someday because I just imagine it's just a bunch of. Yeah you know whatever <laughs> just geeky people getting really geeky about <laughs> lots of things and, and and stuff like that but uh but they had a project um that actually i'll just read from here uh, the the that agency teamed up with the university of michigan to develop to help develop a computer processor designed to change its microarchitecture at random every few seconds oh wow so it's dubbed morpheus and this hardware layer was created in order to stay a step ahead of hackers trying to explore bugs in vulnerable software so what did they do they put out a challenge and i love these kinds of challenges uh they did a month-long test where they took morpheus again so this is this is hardware this is the computer processor that's changing its architecture every few seconds they challenged 500 professional hackers to participate in a bug bounty program. Right, one of these: if you can right, crack right, it, you right. get a million dollars or whatever. Enough that you you can just go buy a island near Fiji or whatever. <laughs> uh, and, and and which and, and, is what all hackers strive for. Exactly. And and they were unable to do it. Right. So unable to to break it. So so there's, cool. some, so there's some there's some hope out there. Uh, it says the Morpheus lead researcher. Uh, Imagine trying to solve a Rubik's cube that rearranges itself every time you blink
0: oh. that's what
1: these software hackers are experiencing or confronting when they have this when they go up against this microprocessor that's changing its architecture every yeah, few yeah. seconds I
0: like that practice so example.
1: there you go maybe I don't know why I hadn't heard about this but yeah duh we use hardware it's changing its form factor or whatever I, I'm still trying to get my head around that because I don't understand you know the actual <laughs> architecture of a chipset but but it's like an
0: actual transformer
1: but I <laughs> get it Optimus you know prime in your computer so if you're a hacker and you tr- you figure out one tunnel you know to get in and now perform your hack well right, right. a few seconds later that's no longer valid because that path doesn't exist anymore that's wow. kind of cool i like it yeah so so
0: maybe hackers are a thing of the past i would love it <laughs> yeah. if we could say that let's be honest they're gonna figure out a way through that too i don't like, know i'm gonna know. figure out how to do a nanosecond hack or something you know <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
1: (laughs) Let me have a little bit of hope here. Just give me a couple seconds of hope here that this Morpheus Uh, is going to be the bomb. It
0: always amuses me that hackers are the kind of people that, like, you look at them and you go, man, if you actually applied yourself to something like useful, you could change the world. We could have conquered cancer by that. I guess, in a way, they are changing the world because sometimes they are, you know, improving processes. But yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly. Like, you know, that, you know, apply that amazing brain of yours that manages to do this to something maybe a little more productive and useful. (laughs) But.
1: There you go. Uh, All right, what's tech connecting uh, with you?
0: Here's a great headline for you. 800 were arrested in a global sting operation. They were using an FBI-built app. Wait, what? So the FBI <laughs> and Australian officials developed an encrypted device company, which eventually gave them access to hundreds of criminal networks. So basically oh, what I they did is, where they, this is going. they created an app called Anom, A-N-O-M, there was kind of like a messaging app, like an encrypted messaging app, like WhatsApp, basically. So this
1: is what criminals would
0: use. So they basically— they it's in the dark they web. Had, they had planted people like working inside of criminal networks, Got it. distributing phones Got it. with the this app on it, and said, hey, this is a great app. This is, this app has been created, so we can send private messages around. No one can access this <laughs> stuff. It's oh, all man. encrypted. It's impossible to, to, to break into. But the FBI themselves had created that app and had access to everything being done at it. So they've been working on this for some time, years long. They infiltrated a bunch of criminal networks. Uh, It was something like 16 different countries. Seizure of eight tons of cocaine and more than $48 million. Holy moly. And my favorite part, though, is they called the the project Operation Trojan Shield, which just sounds (laughs) like some kind of new condom, frankly. But (laughs) it's not the greatest name for it. But man, what uh, no, wait a! wait a minute.
1: I hope that's not the that's not the name of the actual. No, no, no. The okay. yeah, yeah, app yeah, was yeah, called yeah.
0: a nom, like anonymous. I guess maybe oh, like anonymous, okay. maybe or something. I don't know. A N O M. got, so, got, got it, got it, got it, got it. But yeah, so apparently, like, the, like I was, I literally was hearing about this story. I kind of saw it briefly, but I heard about it on uh, uh, the What a Day Daily News podcast I listened to as I was on my way to the studio today, and they had a quick interview with one of the officials who said. Yeah, we were able to like literally see them give you know, like sending photos to each other of how they were hiding millions of dollars of cocaine in fruit shipments and in <laughs> in canned shipments or whatever. You know, like they were just love it. Just they they all got comfortable with this, and some of the big wigs of these organizations were just you know like sending out death threats about stuff, or talking about how they right. were going to try to murder somebody, or yeah. talking about what they were going to move around. Holy so, moly. and Well, and the question came up on the on the podcast also. They were asking like, well, why did they why do they announce that they're they've done this? You know, put it out there. So now oh, true. Can't really use it anymore. Cats out of the bag. Yeah, apparently they were reaching the end of their authorization for this particular project in this particular. Oh no! Seriously, there's some bureaucratic red tape, right? And they and they and they kind of said we we kind of felt like we'd already you know done as much as we possibly could with this, and the word might have been starting to get out anyway that this was not really a legit app of sorts. So they figured they'd go ahead and put the word out there, and I mean they clearly were quite successful with it. You know they 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 got a lot accomplished obviously out of it, but. (laughs) Just goes to show you, you know, if you're you're a criminal, don't trust some some right. rando gives you a phone and says, Hey man, it's the hot new app to use, you know. No, well, there's Nobody at the FBI is looking at that. He says into the phone, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't have any experience in that, but yes, I would
1: uh, I, I would say. I do love stories like that. It's, see, that's using your creative mind effectively. Outsmarting you know? the criminals, you know. You know yeah. For being a good citizen, outsmarting the criminals, yeah. I'm all in favor of that. I love when stories like that come out. But maybe that just makes the underground ego even deeper underground. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, true. You know, some, yeah. There'll,
0: there'll be a whole network of hackers designing new apps for them to use. There so, you go. Who knows. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, exactly. Well, that does it for us today. Uh, be careful of what apps you're using to send around your criminal information (laughs) it is time for us to unplug that way we get off the network and can't be tracked uh until next time folks though please stay connected by now you probably know that adding touchscreens at check-in and throughout the care journey has a big impact on patient experience in healthcare. but what about the providers themselves give them the technology they need with elo 03 series medical grade touchscreen monitors Merging ELO's best-in-class touch technology with DICOM 14 functionality enhances clinical review, improves workflows, and eliminates common keyboarding and point-click errors. Compact, clean designs make these monitors perfect for EMR documentation, image viewing, clinical collaboration, lab and pharmacy work, and much more. To learn more about these built-to-last monitors, check out the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star ELO team. Across industries, Zebra scanners see more, powering businesses to see more as well easy to read barcodes are in reality a rarity from warehouses to stores and in hospitals zebra scanners can read challenging barcodes ensuring productivity efficiency customer satisfaction and patient safety the what can you see campaign includes marketing and sales enablement like a scanner selector tool and flyers that will help you and your customers see zebra barcode scanners in all whole new life to learn more check out the link in the show notes or visit zebra's microsite on bluestarinc.com